This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, good morning, good morning. Hey, man, what an honor to be here today. If you're a veteran, we would be honored for you to stand up right now. Please, all of you veterans, we just want to acknowledge you. Stay, stay standing. Thank you. God bless all of you. Appreciate everything you did. And again, I, I think this is significant that all our generations understand the price that was paid for us to even be here this morning without any threats. So we say thank you from the bottom of our heart. All right. Praise the Lord. Good to have you today. If you're a guest, we're honored you'll be with us. If you're watching by live stream, we're glad you're here. If you need a Bible, get your hand up real high. Go with me to the book of Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. Now what's going to happen today is I'm going to paraphrase chapter 38, read somewhat in 39, paraphrase some in chapter 40, and read some in 41, because the entire story is about a man named Joseph. So just to begin to, to set the table for you just a little bit, you're going to Genesis 39. Joseph is the son of Jacob. He was the 11th of 12 sons. At a young age, he had this incredible dream. And when I talk about the dream that he had, it didn't take place overnight. It was 13 years before actually he walked in the dream. And just was saying that right now, if you knew there was a dream that God gave you would you wait 13 years? Could you wait? And those are questions I think we got to ask ourselves. But Joseph kind of took the matters in his hand a little bit, and for some strange reason, probably an arrogant reason, he thought it was his job to inform his 10 older brothers and his father that the day is going to come and you're going to bow down to me. Now, if I had a younger brother that told me that I'm going to bow down to him, Mama say, knock you out. It's not going to happen. So a huge mistake right there is this, is any time that God has put some great calling on your life, you're stupid with a capital S to think you got to tell everybody what God's going to do through you. And I believe this is what happens. And the Bible talks about pride goes before the fall. And so literally, that, that's what takes place in his life. And so his brothers are so upset with him, they throw him into a pit. And I, I believe that all of us at times in our life, we go through a pride test. We, we even go through a, a pit test. And so when you get thrown into a pit, here's the question. Are you going to stay in the pit? Or are you going to get up and get out? You're going to limp through life with a loser's limp. And when I talk about a loser's limp, if we, if we hang on to that loser's limp, before long, we live this victim mentality. And a victim mentality has some symptoms that I begin to complain, I grumble, I bellyache. It's easier to blame other people and so what happens is when I, I live with that victim mentality, 
bitterness and unforgiveness moves in. Now, the Lord Jesus, he warned us in John 16, He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. What I found out about trouble in our lives, because it's going to happen, is some trouble is invited and some trouble is uninvited. The trouble that's invited is when you do something stupid like he did. Now, I'm just going to warn you right here. I love people, okay? But I am called by God to tell you the truth in love. So you better get ready. I'm just warning you, okay? And if the, if the Bible starts convicting you, good. Chapter 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. And Potiphar, an officer of the Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. Now, you begin to see quickly that he's out of the pit, but now he was uh, sold to this, this guy named Potiphar in Egypt. And so I, immediately I see, I, I've got to rise above my circumstances. I can't allow my past to influence my future where it controls me, it dominates me. And so right here, he's got a choice. What am I gonna do now? Do I stay where I'm at and never trust anyone or do I get back up? Proverbs 24, 16 says, a righteous man may fall, but he'll get back up seven times. Verse two, the Lord was with Joseph. We gotta, we gotta stop right there just for a second. The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was, see, th think about what he, what he just said here. I can be rejected by men, but protected by God. The Lord was with Joseph, even in a time in his life that most people look, say, this is not good. And I wonder at times if Joseph thought, could life get any worse? And I wonder if Joseph had this sticker across his heart that said, careful. Fragile, handle with care. See, this is what life can begin to do with us. But I highlight here, even in this situation, the Bible said the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of the master, the Egyptian. The problem with your past and my past is it can become a dictator that tries to rule your today. And so in this situation, you've got to look, what does Joseph do here? Does he quit? Does he give up? Hmm. So we navigate a little farther. Verse 6. Thus Potiphar left all that he had in Joseph's hand. He gave Joseph the keys. And he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. So Joseph's thinking, hey, hey, life is moving up. Things are getting better. And then at the end of verse 6, it puts a little nugget in here, and it says, now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And at first you read that, and you think, now why did the Bible tell us that? Because it's important. Verse 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife, Miss Potiphar, cast longing eyes onto Joseph. 
cast longing eyes onto Joseph. Now, it's interesting here. This is Ms. Potiphar. And so looking leads to lusting. Looking leads to longing, and longing leads to lusting. Doesn't matter if you're a male or a female. This is what this is telling us here. So it goes on to say, and she had eyes for Joseph and she said, lie with me. Man, she, she gets right to the point. She's pretty subtle. Pastor better keep reading her. He's going to get in trouble. But Joseph refused. Incredible right here. But Joseph refused. In other words, he did not give lust an opportunity. And part of fulfilling the callings and the dreams that God's given every one of us is can I steward my appetites and my desires? Woo. So he refused. And he said to his master's wife, and I highlight that, he said to his master's wife, Look, my master does not know what is with me in the house and he's committed all he has to my hand. There is no one greater in the house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you because you are his wife. So Joseph understands the biblical concept of marriage and he said, you're his wife, you're not my wife. Hmm. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day, he did not heed her to lie with her or to be with her. And so when you see the word heed there, he didn't entertain it. He knew character was a foundational issue to God back then and still to this day. He wouldn't heed to her to lie with her or to be with her. But it happened about this time when Joseph went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was inside. And she caught him by his garment and said, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and he fled and he ran outside. Wow. So off of this word right there in verse 12, it said he fled. It said he fled. 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee sexual immorality. Flee sexual immorality. Now this is the Bible, okay? And when it says flee sexual immorality, anything that is outside God's covenant of marriage, which is Genesis 2.24, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and, and, and be united or joined to his wife, they shall become one. Anything outside of that is sin. I don't care how you slide, try to slice it. I don't care what our government has said is okay. God didn't say it's okay. And we can either say amen or oh me. And so I, I look at his wording here when he flees. Now I, I want you to go back just with me a little bit and you're going to catch some things in here because he goes from a pride test to a pit test, and now he's in a purity test. 
if you study the Bible or you look in our society right now, how many people have gotten off track or become disqualified at times in their life because they disregarded sexual sin? Verse 9 again. There is no one greater in this house than I, nor has he kept back anything from me but you, because you are his wife. Now, I highlight that. But he ends this and says, how then can I do this great wickedness? Not just wickedness. Joseph said, great wickedness. Now, he knew this was in God's eyes, that if I go ahead and hop in the sack with this crazy cougar, it's still great wickedness. Great wickedness. But look at how he ends verse 9. And sin against God. Now, we live in a society within the church that we don't like to use the word sin. Well, I had a casual affair. No, you didn't. You see. And so when you look at what he said, there were things that, when I began to study the word of God, it just began to resonate on the inside of me. And I asked myself this question. Okay, what are the ingredients that cause great wickedness and sin? What's the ingredients that every one of us in here have to, 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 to pay close attention to? Because I'm not, I'm not exempt from this. You're not exempt from this. So the first one's found in verse 7. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast longing eyes on Joseph. Longing eyes with Joseph. So again... Looking leads to longing, and longing leads to lust, and it's just not a man thing, because this is Ms. Potiphar. Well, it's okay to look, you just can't touch. Not according to what the Lord Jesus said in Matthew 5, 28. He said the person that looks upon a woman in a lustful way has already committed adultery in their heart. And if looking wasn't wrong, why did Job say in Job 31.1, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look upon another woman in a lustful way. Amen or oh me. Hmm. So the first area ingredient, we must become strong in the Lord and disciplined in the Lord is I must flee looking. You know what that means? If you're going to the gym and one of your reasons to go to the gym is to take a little, little peek at Sister Crazy attire who's wearing her Nacho Libre stretchy pants. I got to stay away from the gym. If going to a football game causes my eyes to look upon stuff in an ungodly, maybe I don't need to go to the ball game. If I go to the movies and the things I see at the movies messes with my eyes and it creates images in my mind, maybe I shouldn't go to the movies. 
And I'm going to tell you the truth of those three examples. I'm talking about me. I don't go to the gym because I don't want to have to deal with what my eyes can see. And I don't go to the Texas Tech football game because I'm not there to watch the cheerleaders. And I don't go to certain movies because I can't put my eyes in a position that opens doors that the Lord has set me free from. And so if there's areas in your life that cause you to look and to love, Father God, put some boundaries around me. And here's a little side note for you. If the clothes you're wearing or the attire you're wearing is to draw the look from a man or a woman at you, you're just as wrong. And pastor, we're going to keep you around another week. The second one is found in verse 7 and verse 10. It says, she cast longing eyes on Joseph and she said, and she said, now watch verse 10. So it was as she spoke to Joseph day by day, by day, by day, by day, by day. There are certain things that we speak that ultimately isn't just speaking, it becomes a way of flirting. And sometimes we say, well, that's just casual talk. Not when I share parts of my heart that are only to be reserved for my spouse. And so when you begin to speak it doesn't matter if it's face-to-face. -face. It doesn't matter if it's by a message, a text. It doesn't matter if a chat room. If it's pulling your heart into a way that would be viewed as a casual affair, flee. Flee. But we live in a, a sexually saturated society. And all these things are harmless. No, they're not harmless. It becomes outside interference and I must guard the unguarded moments of my life because they carry consequences physically, emotionally, physically, emotionally, physically, intimately, every part of my life, spirit, soul, and body. They'll mess you up. And let me give you a little thought here and then we'll move on. Is there anything you're doing right now in your life that you have to hide? Is there anything in your life that you do in secret? Here's a real good thought for you. Is there anything in your life that you make sure you delete so no one else sees it? That's a pretty good sign that it's not good. Because if you think what you're doing is good is okay, then why do you delete it? And if you think what you're doing is okay, then why don't you just go show it to your spouse? So here's the deal with what we just talked about. This can become a character assassin. But the Lord says, just repent. Just repent. And remember, repent means to confess, but it also means to change your way and your action. And not only do I need to repent to God, maybe you need to repent to your spouse. And some of you would say, I can't do that. I, I highly encourage you to do that because Numbers 32, 23 says, your sin will find you out. 
move. She got quiet in the church today. So let me tell you what happens. Let me paraphrase. Miss Potiphar screams rape. Mr. Potiphar gets ticked off. He sends Joseph to prison now. And so every one of us at times, we face rejection, we face abandonment, and we even face injustice. It wasn't right. Was he in the wrong place at the wrong? Yes. It wasn't good what happened to him. And I wonder if this time in his life, he's like, God, do you not see what's going on? And maybe you may be in a situation right now where you're saying, God, do you not see what's going on? Can I give you a little insight? He does. He does. Same chapter, verse 21. Now watch this. Genesis 39, verse 21. But the Lord was with Joseph. Even in prison. Now listen to what it says here. And, and the Lord showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of prison. God can make a way when there seems like there is no way. And it doesn't matter if you're in a pit or now you're in prison. But I can't allow the hurts, the failures. I can't allow the injustice keep me from getting back up. You got to get back up. You got to get back up. So now let me paraphrase a little bit chapter 40. So he's in prison. He runs into these two knuckleheads, a butler and a baker, used to work for the, the, the Pharaoh. They're dejected, they're down and out. And, and, and Joseph said, why are you boys so down and out? And they said, man, we got these dreams, but we don't have anybody to, dream, or to interpret the dream. And you know what Joseph said to him? Uh, this is Genesis 40, verse eight. He said, God is the interpreter of dreams. God is the interpreter of dreams. Do you know God gives men the gift of interpreting, but God is the interpreter. And so he tells the butler, he said, you're going to live. And he tells the baker, you're fixing to die, pal. Oh, happy day. You know what happens? The butler lives, the baker dies. And when the butler walks free, Joseph says to him, hey, hey, pal, don't forget me. Don't forget me. But you know what he does? He forgets it. And Joseph is in prison for two more years. And the Bible doesn't record hardly anything about those two years. But I don't believe he was in that cell playing tic-tac-toe. He wasn't in that cell putting a million-piece puzzle together. So what was he doing? I'm going to read Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. And I'm pulling out the Passion Translation you can read in whatever translation. The reason I'm reading is it becomes so alive in this, past, in this translation here. Romans chapter 5, verse 3. Now watch this. But that's not all. Even in times of trouble, we have a joyful confidence knowing that our pressures will develop in us Patient endurance. Did you just read what it said? 
We are all in need of a patient endurance, better stated, perseverance. But according to what the Apostle Paul said, the only way this perseverance and endurance can come is you're going to have to go through some trouble. Probably not what we want to hear. But he said, through this trouble, there will be some endurance and perseverance that you say, I got to keep going. I got to get back up. I got to keep going. I got to keep going. Could anybody in here use a little dose of perseverance today? And patience endurance will refine our character. What will refine our character? Patient endurance. It will refine our character. So if you read this correctly, he's telling us here, the only way you and me's character is refined is trouble comes and we endure through the trouble and through the trouble there becomes character. Now, you know what would be the easiest thing right here if we just got everybody around us here this morning and we said, just lay hands on me. I, I would rather you just lay hands on me and pray in the name of Jesus that God would give me some perseverance and God would give me some character, but that's not how it comes. You're going to go through some stuff. And this hope is not a disappointing fantasy. Because now we can experience the endless love of God cascading in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who lives in us. So I believe this is what's going on in Joseph. Remember, God's the potter and we're the clay. And I believe God is molding him. And God is shaping him. And God is creating some endurance because we know biblically the boy's been through some trouble. Test after test after test. But his character is being refined. I don't know about you, man. I, I want my character to be refined. Where you know you stay, your, your character is you're strong in the Lord. And you stand on the things of God. And you don't waver. You're not moved. And so there he is sitting in the prison cell. I want to quote a great verse for you this morning. Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, The gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. God does not resent his gifts and his calling. Now the problem with that verse is he didn't say it would be easy. You're going to go through things. So we go to chapter 42. And as you're turning to chapter 42... People may leave you. People may fail you. But in Hebrews 13, 5, it says, God will never leave you nor forsake you. And Hebrews 13, 6 says, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. Just remember, the Lord is my helper. So we're at chapter 42, and I'm going to start in verse 50. Now, you got to realize we have zoomed through a bunch of stuff in Joseph's life. He has now been promoted to the prime minister. Thirteen years have elapsed. And I highlight this. Thirteen years of refining. 
13 years, God is polishing Joseph. And now he's the prime minister. Chapter 41, verse 50. Yeah. Here goes my Bible. Darn you guys. And to Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, whom Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of Om, bore to him. So Joseph's still in the land of Egypt. He has an Egyptian name. It's a couple, page, a couple verses back up above that. I'm not going to try to pronounce his Egyptian name. It's crazy. He's married to an Egyptian woman, a Seneth. But this woman has taken on his ideas, his convictions, the, the, the things of God. She, she's now a child of God. Everything I read on her, she converted to the things of God. But watch real closely. And Joseph called the name of his first Manasseh, for God has made me forget all the toil and all my father's house. And the name of the second he called Ephraim, for God has called me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Why, why do I highlight that? He names both of his boys Hebrew names. He never forgot his Hebrew heritage. He never forgot, I am what I am because God made me I am. And when you read why he named his boys, he does not deny his past, but the first one he named Manasseh for the Hebrew word means forgot. I forgot all the hardships. Now he didn't deny it, but the Lord caused him to deny, uh, to, to forget that, to move on. You know what one translation says, and this was so good. The Lord got him past his constant memories. Let me ask you something right now. Is there something from your past that it's like a tape recorder, just it seems like day by day? It just keeps coming back. It just keeps coming back. It keeps coming back. Maybe it's a hurtful past. Maybe it's abandonment. Maybe it's rejection. But it says here, and God made him forget. And so when you look at that, his past no longer controlled him. And the second, he said, Ephraim, where I am fruitful in the land of affliction. I am fruitful in the land of grief. You know what I see here? He was able to move forward. He left the, the pain of the past, stay behind. And, and literally what this means, the facts that occurred in his life just wouldn't hurt him anymore. They wouldn't dominate him anymore. And so maybe that describes you today. There's two phrases that, that I really want you to get, okay? And I, I believe God wants us to marinate in this. For God has made... And for God has caused. So if for God has made change Joseph. And God has caused change Joseph. 
Peter said in Acts 10, he said, Acts 10, 34, he said, I perceive God's no respecter of person. So you know what that means? What God did for Joseph, he'll do for you and me. For God is, he's made. And God has caused. And when God made and God caused, nothing can stop but when I get a hold of it. And so I believe God's wanting to anoint us today to help us move forward from the things of our past that have tried to bottle you up. Now, you may be here today and you're the only one that knows this. Right now, is there pride in your life that God is trying to deal with? Because the only place in the Bible I find that God resists people is when I'm prideful. 1 Peter 5, 5. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you're full of pride, you're going to fall. Pride goes before fall. I fall down. You fall down. All the king's men fall down. Why do I say that? We're all going to fall sometime. Don't speak that over me, pastor. The righteous may fall seven times, but they get back up. Maybe you're in a pride test today. Maybe you're in a pit test. And when you get in the pit, God said, I got to get your undivided attention because you are so stinking thick-headed. Don't elbow your husband, please. But we go back to the one we stayed the most on. The purity test. Would that define you? See, I got to live by God's word. Maybe in her prison test. Why don't you stand up here with me today? See, what happens this morning if you're in a place in your life where the Lord is refining you. Are you okay for the potter to, to work with the clay? Remember, he's the potter and I'm the clay. Are you okay? What would happen if we looked before God and said, and Father God, I need to get back in the oven. I'm not done. And what would happen if the Lord breathed on us right now where we had this thought, man, I'm going through trouble, I'm going through trouble, I'm going through, it just seems like trouble, trouble, trouble. But remember what he said, only through trouble is perseverance or endurance. And so maybe it's he's trying to put some endurance in you. Are, are you okay to say, okay, Father God, go ahead and mold that in me. Now, I'm gonna tell you right now, I don't shout amen at that for my own life. I'm like, okay, Father God. What about your character? Does my character need to be refined? You know what your character is? What you do when no one's looking. My reputation is who people think I am. My character is who God knows I am. This may identify you today. And I wish I would have had you write this down, but I jumped ahead. And I want you to listen real close because this may define you this morning. 
I can't use someone else's irresponsibility in the past as an excuse for my irresponsibility in the present. That's worthy of me saying again, okay? I can't use someone else's irresponsibility in the past as an excuse for my irresponsibility in the present. You know what that is? I just continue to blame. See, it would have been very easy for Joseph to say, if I wouldn't have had a dad who dogged me, if I wouldn't have those stinking 10 older brothers, if I didn't meet Miss Potter for that crazy cougar, if I didn't get thrown in the prison. And so it just keeps going on and on and on and on until someone gets back up and says, okay, Father God, work in me. I'm gonna ask you to bow your head right here where you're at this morning. And I believe every one of us in here God is etching something on your heart right now. I, I believe God's challenged you in these areas right now. And so as our team gets ready to play, woo, I, I pray, I pray you come for a fresh anointing that says God has made and God has caused. And you get to fill in the blank. God has made me forget my past. God has caused me to be fruitful. I, I welcome whatever that looks like. And so as they begin to sing here, I, I welcome you to come down here. I'm telling you, there's an anointing here in the first service. But just when we respond to God, okay? Go ahead and sing, God. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.